Amen. So, um, God is good. He has sustained us for another week, and He's going to sustain us for until He wants to sustain us. And it's always good to know that God is in control. It doesn't matter where you go, He will guide you. If you're His child, He looks after you. Who knows that? Who believes that? Well, preparing for this message, I, uh, I was reading, and as I do, I read through, through a few books in the Bible. And I was reading through, I'm currently busy with the book of Mark. I've been busy with the book of Mark for the last year. I started reading through Second Corinthians. And I've also started reading through, again, Isaiah. It's good to have a, a combination of New Testament and Old Testament books. And uh, if I can highly recommend for you to do is read through your Bible. Read through the Word. I want to talk to you today about the Macedonian call. And how did I get to this? I was reading through the book of Corinthians and I pray and I say, Lord, what shall I preach today? What message do you want for the church in Glen Waverley today? Kingsway Christian Fellowship. Lord, there's going to be new people walking into this place this morning. What do you want them to hear? Not my thoughts. Not what I think. Uh, I can keep you busy for five to ten minutes. If you're interested in what I'm interested in, I can keep you busy a little bit longer. But eventually I'm going to lose you. But if I keep you to the Word of God, the depth thereof is so deep... Dear friend, you will never reach that in your whole life. Never. I've been studying the Word for so long, and every time I come to a passage, I think, wow, you know I know everything. And then I read the next verse, and I realize I know nothing. Or somebody gets up here and they preach about a passage, and I realize, how dumb am I? You know, I didn't even see that. But that's how wonderful the Holy Spirit is to open it up to us. So there I was reading through the book of Corinthians and I came to a passage and I felt the Holy Spirit tucking on my heart and say, this is the message. So, dear friend, may God enlighten you this morning. May He speak to you. May He teach you. May He, above all, call you this morning. May He give you a message when He calls you. And may He direct your footpaths after this message. And you will see, listen to me clearly this morning, you will see that He will give you the results. Not that you want, but that He purpose. So I want you to open up in your Bibles in Acts chapter 16. But I want to keep you to keep your finger in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. You see, I didn't have to read far in Corinthians. I came to chapter 2 and I got this message. So uh, my prayer is that God will speak to you through that. First we're going to read in Acts chapter 16. And we're going to start from verse 1. And it's my aim right through this message to use the three most important things about teaching the Bible. And that is context. Everybody say context. And the second one is context. Everybody say context. And the third one is context. Everybody, come on, say it. Context. Amen. So, Acts chapter 16, and we're going to start in verse 1. The Word of God says, Then he came to Derbe and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed. But his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Now Paul wanted to have him to go on with him. Let me just make a quick note here. Isn't it wonderful that people can talk about Timothy and he's well spoken of by the brethren? I just thought of it when I read that verse. If I go to people in this church and I mention your name to them, will you be well spoken of? You see, I think it's important. It was important for Paul when he, when he saw Timothy and, and the brethren started talking about him. He was well spoken of. Now let's continue. And in verse 4, And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in faith. 
The churches were strengthened in faith. Dear friend, the message that you carry to the people needs to strengthen them in faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the preaching of the word. Preaching of the word. And increased in number daily. Isn't it wonderful? What is going to increase the church? I know we preaching in a church here who's not counting numbers. You didn't see Brother Peter standing there with one of those sheep counters. You know those sheep counters going click, 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 click. And, and after the service he comes to Pastor Vernon and says, Wow, today we've got 70 people. That's not part of God's work. You see, if you bring the message of God to the people, the Lord will add to the church who He wants in the church. I'm not asking you this. I'm telling you it because I believe it with my whole heart. Now we continue. Verse 6. Now when they had gone through Pergia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden, forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after we had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we went straight course through Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony, and was staying at the city for some days. What a wonderful history, isn't it? And we're going to unpack this this morning. I want you to turn over now to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. As you know, this is a letter of Paul that he wrote to the church in Corinth. This is the second letter following the first letter. I think that is logic, isn't it? Didn't have to have a lot of study to, to find that out. So he writes now to them, and now we're going to find what we've just read in the book of Acts out of the words, out of the mouth of Paul. And see how he writes it down. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, a door was opened to me by the Lord. And I had no rest in my spirit, because I did not find Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them I departed for Macedonia. Now verse 14, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And everybody shouts hallelujah. There's only a few, hallelujah. Isn't it great? Thanks be to God who always leads us into triumph in Christ Jesus, in Christ. And through us, diffuses the fragrance. Now listen to this, this is most beautiful words. That through us, diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. Verse 15, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ amongst those who are being saved and amongst those who are perishing. To the one who are the aroma to death leading to death, and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the public reading of your word. I thank you, Lord, that you use my voice this morning, my breath, to bring, Father, that life to your word as I read it to these people. And Father, the same way that when I prepared this message and I was reading it out loud and I was reading it in my mind and I was putting breath to these words, Father, my prayer this morning is that you do the same this morning. Father, I know it doesn't depend upon me how I pre preach this sermon, but it depends on the listeners how they receive it. So Father, I do want to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help this morning. Without the Spirit, we are nothing. 
Father, I don't want to even go out of my house without your Spirit, Father, guiding, directing and leading us. Nor stand here this morning a mere man and preach these life-giving words endlessly to people. So I need you this morning, Father. Holy Spirit, I pray that you touch my mind, my lips, my heart as I bring this message this morning. Help me not to mess it up, but give it to them as you've given it to me. So, Father, as I say and as your words say, I believe this with all my heart that your word will not go out and return back void, but it will accomplish every single thing that it's been purposed for. And though I say nothing now, Lord, and walk off the stage, get in my car and go home, I I thank you, Lord, that your word has been spoken. I pray this in Jesus' name and everybody say amen. Amen. So a lot of commentators say that when... Paul was sleeping there in Troas, that the man that appeared to him was in fact Dr. Luke, the writer of the Gospels of Luke, or the Gospel of Luke, and the writer of the book of Acts. They say it was Luke who appeared to him. Now Luke at that point in time was living in Philippi, and you will find that when they came to Troas and they went into Macedonia, Neapolis, and they went to Philippi, that was where Luke was staying, he was living there. He was, at that point, living in Macedonia. So, obviously, he put on the clothes of Macedonians, and when he appeared to them, now, we can't say it was Luke, but they say, they think it was Luke. That's what the commentators say. It's not important whether it was Luke, is it? This morning, it is important that there is a man from Macedonia that appeared to Paul in a vision. And it's also important this morning, the message that he brought to Paul... He says, Paul, I want you to come over to Macedonia and come and help us. The second thing that I want to bring your attention to before we get into the Word is that when he was there, he had no rest in his spirit because he did not find Titus his brother. Now, I just want to put it in perspective to you. Context, context, context. Not only did he go to Troas, and I'm going to take you through that path, but he was waiting for Titus to come back from Corinth. Because Titus was going to bring in some good news from Corinth. He was writing this letter to Corinth. And if you read the first letter to the church of Corinthians, you will see that Paul was really hard to them. It was a hard word. Friends, let me tell you this morning, ministers on this pulpit should never stand here just to tickle your ears. The Word of God is hard. It will devise, but it will bring healing. Now, Paul is waiting here in Troas, and they didn't have cell phones and GPS systems there or tiki boxes. You remember the tiki boxes where you can put your coin in and ring? They didn't have all of that there. So, when the word went out to Titus that Paul is going to Troas, then the word, they were going to meet there. It's a big city. How do you find somebody in a big city if you haven't got an iPhone? You see, we've got it so easy these days. So both of them go into the city, it's a buzz, and, and how do you find somebody? And, and he was waiting on that word back from Titus. But while he was waiting, he got this call, this Macedonian call, and he knew he had to go. But he wasn't rest. And later on, when you read through the, through the chapter, you will find that he did find Titus, and the news back from Corinth was good. So this morning, allow me just to unpack this for you in four sections. First of all, I want us to look this morning at the calling. Then we're going to look at the message and the direction, and we're going to see some results. When God moves, there is always a result, isn't there? First of all, the calling. It says in verse 9 that, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Friends, this morning I want to tell you that 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 call was very clear. It was a Macedonian standing before him. The call of God is always clear where He wants you to be. God is not going to just throw it up there and you need to pick out and figure out where you go. No, no. When He spoke through this man to Paul, He had this man even dressed like a Macedonian. Not only was that calling clear, it was direct. The call of God is direct. And even this morning as you listen to these words, the call of God for you and for me is direct. You see, a lot of people come to church just to sit and listen. But God didn't call you to that. Turn to the person next to you and say, ouch. 
He didn't call you just to come and sit in church and to be fed and to become a big sheep and a bigger sheep. No, no, no. He called you in to come and be to get the Word of God, but then you've got to go out and give it to others. But His call will be clear. It will be direct. And listen, the third thing here, His call was urgent. Yes? This man appeared to him and he pleaded him. He pleaded. He says it there in another translation. He didn't say plead. He says he begged him. In another translation he says he prayed. He says, please come over. I'm begging you. And listen to me, dear friends. The call today in the world is an urgent call. It's an urgent call. It's a call for you and it's a call for me. You see, today, uh, Macedonia is not just the region. It is the whole world and the message is the same. The world is crying out to the church and the world is saying to the church, help us. But you see, the problem is the church has moved. Yes? The church has moved. And another problem of the church is it allowed the spirit of the world to move into the church. So as the church moved out of its position, something else has taken over the church so that that deafening voice this morning of help us, help us, help us is falling on deaf ears. Because it's now more about us. Me, myself and I. And it's more how our church name is portrayed. It's more how much money we make. It's more how many members we've got. It's more what my theology say. It's more what my ideas say. Instead of listening to that deafening voice out there which says, Help us. Macedonia today, dear friends, is the world. They are walking amongst you. They touch you every day. That person that you're sitting next to you, He's crying to you. It's a silent cry, but it's deafening. He says, help me. Help me. Can you hear the call? It is a Macedonian call. You sit here this morning, but you say, whoa, wait a minute. You know, I'm not Paul. You know, <laughs> I can't speak like Paul speak. Hey, I'm not the pastor. I'm not the bread. I'm not an elder. No, no, wait a minute. You've got it totally wrong. You see, I'm called to come in here and just to fellowship on a Sunday and just to touch everybody and say, yeah, it's going well. Not so bad, you know. No, no, that's what I'm... No, no, no. Listen to me, friend. You don't have to be Paul. You don't have to be Peter. You don't have to be Pastor Werner. You don't have to be any one of those because everyone here is called. And now it's normally when it turns silent. Watch this. Mark chapter 16 verse 14. It's Jesus. Later he appeared to the eleven. And as they sat at the table and he rebuked the unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world. Everybody say all the world. Macedonia. It's a Macedonian call this morning. It's not only Kingsway call. It's not only Cornerstone. It's a Macedonian call this morning. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You say, yes, but we are sending missionaries over. And and Sean is going to go over to uh, Fiji. And, you know, we're going to go over to Rarotonga. Take me there, please. But we're going to go over to Rarotonga and all these places. No, no, there's a lot of worlds that you need to understand. You see, within the world, there are worlds. Let me explain. You work for a company, that's a world. Now I might in my lifetime never enter into that world, but you do. You've got access there into that world. You work among the police force, that's a world. You go to school, dear young, young person, that's a world. You're, the one sitting next to you, go to another school, that's a different world. But it's all the world. I've experienced this in New Zealand when I... Um, I passed it over there. I was approached by the Disabled Trust in, in Auckland. They knew we were a small church and, and I was the pastor of a church and they asked me to come and preach at their place. Now this is the disabled people in wheelchairs. Some of them had schizophrenia. Some of them, all of these things had strokes and, and that. And I, and I prayed about this. I said, God, how do I do that? How do I go into their world? I'm an able-bodied person. I've never been challenged like that before. Never. I mean, 
I remember, I can't see disabled people even in the shopping malls, but they are there. They are there. They go past you. You see, but your eyes is not tuned in to see them. That's what society teaches us. So I remember praying and saying, Lord, what message shall I bring these people? But this was laid upon my heart, dear friends, to come into their world. So as I was driving, I had the message. The Lord gave me a message for them to cross the Jordan. The Jordan was a boundary and the message was for them to cross from one over to the other and not to see obstacles. Brilliantly given by the Lord. But as I was driving over the harbour bridge in Auckland that, that morning, on my way to the centre, I asked, I said, Lord, how do I get into their world? And it's as if the Spirit of the Lord said, you become like one of them. And as I'm driving there, I'm starting having this conversation in my head, and I go, oh, this is me, you know, people, the guy next, next to me is going to think, he's a little bit over there. Okay, so I was driving, and, and it's as if the Spirit of the Lord said, get into a wheelchair and preach a sermon from a wheelchair. Never thought of that. I thought, this is my idea. You see, sometimes when you, when you get this, then you start doubting. I go, oh, that's my thoughts. That's me now go, uh, taking this conversation on. So how do I get into that? So this is what I did. I said, when I'm going to get there, the first person at the door who greets me, I'm going to ask them for a wheelchair. And I said, Lord, if there's no wheelchair, then I know it's me. It's off. So I walked in, and as the person opened up the door, I said, uh, yes, I'm John Shipman. I said, oh, John, yes, Pastor John, yeah, yeah. I said, look, before we go any further, have you got a wheelchair here? And he, he turned around, he says, there's another person there, and he, and he said to her, the wheelchair, they said, no, they've got extra wheelchairs there, but that week, that week, they've sent them off to be serviced. I thought, oh, I'm off. And as I took my first two steps, somebody said, but wait. There's a wheelchair in the shack, in the shed outside. It's a broken one. Is it fine? I said, bring it on. So there's only five people who knew, and I got into, and the wheels were flat. But I got into this thing, and I wheeled myself into, and there was a lot of people there that morning. I didn't count, but it was a big group like this. But I wheeled myself when they introduced me from the back to the front, and I sat in that chair. I came into their world. But you know what? I preached that sermon and I said, Lord, it doesn't matter what, it's not for me. All I'm praying for, like this morning, is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Because it's the anointing that breaks the yokes. And as I preached that sermon and I said, look, there is the boundary, you've got to cross the boundary. I sat there and I said, now you all listen to me because I am like you, a disabled person. And I stood up from that chair. And you should have seen the eyes. Miracle. Woo! But friends, this was the message. They listened to me while I was in the wheelchair the same way they would have listened to me out of the wheelchair. What is the world that God can use you in? Dear friend, I've showed you now there's a Macedonian call. You say, but elaborate a little bit more. Yes, I can. You see, you are called to be a saint, aren't you? He says it in Romans chapter 1 verse 7, To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Can all the saints please put up their hands? I don't know what the other people are, but we'll say they're lazy this morning, Pastor. <laughs> all the saints. Down. Up. That's an exercise lesson now. No. All the saints. You see, you'll be called for that. Romans chapter 9, 24. Even us, whom he called not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. You are called to be his people. You are called to be His people this morning. You are also called for a purpose, Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for, those, for, for good for those who love God to those who are called according to His purpose. I've got so many more scriptures, but look, honestly, it can take two hours. So, there is worlds, and they are calling us. But you see, not only did God call Him when He was into us, He gave Him a message. Yes? And what is the message? It says it in Acts chapter 16 verse 1. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord called us to preach what? The gospel. What is the gospel? The good news. 
He says, God called us into Macedonia to preach the gospel to them. Second Corinthians, in Paul's own words, he says, And when I came to trust, I preached Christ's gospel. Dear friends, our message to the world who's crying out, Help us, is the gospel. It is the message that Jesus Christ came into this world. He died on a cross for your and for my sins. He set us free. He redeemed us. That's the good news. But somebody had to die so that we may live. It amazes me these days what people preach. Honestly. You know, when Paul on his way, on his way to Macedonia, he passed through a lot of cities. No doubt he saw a lot of things which could have influenced his mindset. But you know what? That didn't deter him. He preached the gospel. I will tell you one thing, dear friends, we have noticed over the last, I would say, 10, 15, 20 years. And that is that there's a worldview preaching coming into the churches. Can I say that again? There is a worldview preaching coming into the churches. It is what books tell us, and then we use the Bible to back up what books tell us. It is what this person's movement is doing, and then we preach his movement instead of the gospel. Let's, let's be honest. Let's be honest, first the Word, and then you can apply the Word to the world. Yes, but it's the Gospel. It's Himself. You know, He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, He says, I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech. Now, I'm by far, far not an excellence of speech person, but you get people who it's more important for them to catch the right phrases than to preach the gospel. Yes. Oh, I've got a one-liner for you, and I'll throw the one-liner out. Wow, you know, these people are going to, they're going to think I'm really smart with that one-liner. And I go, see, take the photo with the one-liner underneath. Listen, friends, let me tell you something about the gospel of Christ. It is not mine. It is not yours. It's God's gospel. You cannot sell it. You cannot make money out of it. He gives it free, and freely we give it on. This is what Paul did. He says, I came, and I could have used excellence of speed or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimonies of God. He was sitting under Gamaliel. You remember that? Gamaliel was a very clever man. I think if Gamaliel lived today, although he wasn't uh, um, uh, you know, one of the way, if he lived today, he would have had a lot of books. The Christian bookshops would have been filled with Gamaliel. And I just wonder what people would have done today. They would have just come in and say, look, let's put away the Bible and, and let's read through his books. But he says, look, I could have done that, but I bring Christ's gospel to the people. He says in Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Who's ashamed of the gospel? Not me. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the what? The power of God to salvation. To everyone who believes for the Jew first and the Greek. And it, and it amazes me how this is the power unto salvation. Yet, people don't use the power. No. If I stand here and tell you all my stories, dear friend, again I tell you, I will keep you busy for five or ten minutes. And there's no power in it. No power in it. I listen to a lot of the old preachers, the old preachers, who still preach the gospel. And I'll tell you one thing. When these people preach, you find Jesus Christ in every single sermon of theirs. Every single sermon points to the cross. I tell you, I'm convicted so many times on the Monash. So many times. I just want to kneel out there, but it will cause a huge havoc. You'll read about me on the papers if I do that and see me on TV. I'll cause crashes. Every time I listen to these sermons, they bring me to the cross, not to them, to the cross. And when I stand in front of the cross, I realize how wretched I am. And then I say, Lord, I'm so sorry. But he says, sorry is not going to help you. I say, Lord, I repent. I repent. That's what the gospel do. That's the power of salvation. That's what we need to bring to a church who cries out, Help us. Help us. But that's only the beginning. You see, he gives us a message. But I like the next part. Dear friends, because he's not only preaching. Look at this. 
He says in Acts 16 verse 14, Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ. I believe he wrote that when he met Titus later on. But let's continue. And through us, everybody say through us. It, see, it, it, that word comes from the Greek word which means, it's phanaru, which means, uh, the word diffuse, it means uh, um, that it is happening through us. It's a manifestation. That's what it means. A manifestation of fragrance of his knowledge in every place. You see the word knowledge there? You see, the first one, he was preaching the gospel. The gospel. But that's not where it stopped. A lot of people, they hear the gospel, they accept Jesus Christ, and that's what I mean. They just sit back and say, yeah, if I've made it. When the roll call is going to call up younger, I'll be there. But dear friend, there's a serious responsibility on your shoulders when Christ saves your soul. Let that sink in. He didn't save you to look beautiful. He didn't save you to be rich. He didn't save you to be knowledgeable. There is a serious responsibility on each one in this place. A responsibility. Not only to preach the gospel, but to carry, listen to this, to carry His knowledge in you. You have to. You know, I, I remember coming here the very first time I preached up here. I came up here and I said, time for reading the Bible is gone. You remember that, Pastor Vinner? What is the time now to study His Word? As the water becomes muddier, you studying His Word will carry it inside of you. Now, this is a beautiful picture. He says, the fragrance of His knowledge. Isn't that beautiful? You see, dear friends, there's a time for preaching and then there's a time for teaching. And this is showed by Jesus Christ Himself. In Mark chapter 1 verse 14, He says, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Preaching. Cairo, that's the word that He preached. The gospel of the kingdom. And saying the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. That's the message. But then, in verse 21, he says, Then they went into Capernaum, and immediately in the, in, in, on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one of having authority, not as... I can go to Matthew, it's the same. It's teaching, preaching, teaching, preaching. Why is the, the preaching there? It's to build the knowledge of God that we carry in us. Why? Why? To, be, to stand up here and to say, Oh, dear friends, I have got the knowledge of God. Ooh, let me tell you what I've learned and what is that for? So that you stand up here and we say, Okay, let's have the contestants up here. Contestant number one, tell us the knowledge that you've got. Contestant number two, contestant number three, contest Okay, everybody shout as loud as you can. Contestant number one, yay! Contestant number two, yay! Three and four, yay! Yeah, you've got all of the knowledge. Man, there you go, you're the winner. Is that what it's for? Yet people do it that way. They walk around trying to impress you with the knowledge. He never gave you the knowledge to impress. You better listen now. Because this word got to me, which I'm going to share to you now. What did He give it to you then for? Look further. He says, Now thanks be to God who pleads, leads us in triumph. Through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ, listen, amongst those who are being saved and amongst those who are perishing. To one we are a fragrance for life and for the other one a fragrance of death. What is he talking about? Listen, have you ever taken a pebble off a flower and smell it? How does it smell? And who can smell it? If I stand here with a pebble, and I, I know you love your, your flowers, if I smell the pebble here, can Ella smell the pebble? No. Because it's too far distance. Can Peter smell it? No. No, no, listen. If I want everybody in this room to smell the fragrance of the flower, what do I need to do? I need to crush it. It's when I crush it 
that it sets free the fragrance which is held inside of it. Do you get the picture? You see, dear friends, we are crushed on the rock, Jesus Christ. And you shouldn't sit there quiet now. You say, say, Amen, Hallelujah. There's nothing else that will crush you like Jesus Christ. It's when we come to the cross and we realize we have to die that we are crossed on the rock, Jesus Christ. And it's then when the fragrance comes out. Now, he, he's got a beautiful picture in this because, you see, he was living in Roman times. And it happened when the, the Roman generals went out and they won the battle. What happened? They came back. And as they came back to, to the city, the people in the city could hear the hoofs of the horses coming. It's a big army. With this army, they will carry the spoils of war if they were victorious. Otherwise, they would have been dead, yeah? So as they come with the spoils to, towards the city, with them, they will also have prisoners. And in those prisoners, they would have determined some of them will live and some of them will die in the Colosseum. They will fight the animals, the lions and the tigers and everything. So as this big army comes towards the city, they hear the hoofs coming on. They know there was victory on the battle. Remember, there's no CNN. There's no satellites. This all goes, a horse rider goes ahead and says, we are victorious, and then they hear the army come. Now listen to this. Then the people in the city take flowers and they throw it on the path. They throw it all out on the path. Why? Because it's a victory thing. And as the army with the generals comes through, what happens? The horses run over all of those pedals. And what do they do? They crush the pedals. And there's this fragrance coming, this aroma coming into the city. And you know what happens? The people behind, the slaves, the ones who's going to die, you know what fragrance that is? It's a fragrance of death. And the ones who's going to be alive, it's a fragrance of what? Of life. Dear friends, you and I has got the knowledge inside of us. And to people around us, we will be the fragrance of death. Because they go to eternity without Christ. We say it just so flippant, don't we? As you are sitting here today, today, Thousands of people are going to eternity without Christ. And you're a fragrance of death. But similarly for the others, it's a fragrance. Those who's going to live. Although they are slaves, I'm alive. You see the picture here? You see, dear friend, you come to me and you complain about your lifestyle, which you chose, by the way. You complain about the situation you find you're in, which you've decided, by the way. And then sometimes things happen to you out of your control. But you know what God is looking down? He says, you are my child. I've invested in you. I've put my son on this earth. And not only that, I have given you his knowledge. The fact that everybody sitting in this room is because you can think you can reason, you can write, you can hear, you can speak. God gave you that. And you take it for granted. So here's the thing. Then you go into situations. And in that situation, when the fire gets too hot, you say, Get me out of here! No, no. He's saying to you this morning, I want to crush you so that the fragrance of my son can come out. I was flying back uh, Friday from Sydney to, to Melbourne. And I normally fly Virgin, uh, normally do that. And because I fly so many times, I've got a card now which says, you're a special person. And don't we like it? You know, there's the queue and you can go, <laughs> I'm going there. But when I got back, you know, when I booked my flights, there was no Virgin flights back. I had to fly with Qantas. Now, I know there's a few Qantas frequent flyers here, and God bless your heart. But I, I'm not special for them, because I don't spend money with them. So I had to stand in a queue. Poor me. But you know what, dear friends? When I started thinking about these things, this scripture started dealing in my heart. Standing in those queues, 
He said, I've even got priority at the check-ins, you know, on, uh, at the security screening. You, you, you know those lines go like that, and then you're the special person. Just walk past all of them. You take out your laptop, you go through. Oof, easy. But now I had to stand in those queues. Poor me. I thought for a minute there. And then when you get to the plane, you know, I like to be early there because these days, have you seen how people travel these days with carry-on? <laughs> Honestly. They say it's only that high and that, but man, some people you can, I shouldn't say that, but you can put a dog in there. So I know I've learned my things. You know, when I get into the plane, I'm first or second or third on the plane. Why? Because I can quickly get to my seat, quickly get out my stuff, quickly put it on the seat, grab my bag and there's space, they put it in there. I've once flown where I had to sit with that stuff between my legs and I didn't like it. So now I'm standing in the Qantas row. I'm not going to be first on. I'm not going to be quickly there. I might have to. And all these things play through. And you know what happened to me? I started to get worked up. Honestly, I'm starting there and I'm starting... Oh, and, and now I'm feeling I'm sweaty and, and the, fly, the flight is delayed and, and it's rain and I, I just think it's working up. I want to get home. I want to get home. And then when I got through everything, the, you know, the Lord looks... I, I had the space. Everything was fine. I sat down and this is the other thing. I always book the aisle seat. Why? Because I've got broad shoulders. You thought you were going to say I've got a big... No, no, I've got broad shoulders. So I like the aisle seat because I can lean a little bit away from the person next to you. You don't want to touch, do you? I mean, honestly, you don't want to lie against somebody the whole time. So I'm, I'm coming here, the only seat available, guess what? Center. Center seat. Now that's working in me. So I'm getting into the plane, I'm walking down, I put out of my stuff, people are around me, there's nobody in the row. Praise the Lord, he looked after me, I put my stuff up there, sit in the middle of the row like James sitting there. Two people need to come next to me. And guess who's coming next to me? A big fella. <laughs> now, he didn't have broad shoulders. I'm, I'm not going to. He had something bigger. And he sat in the aisle seat. Now, I'm sitting like I'm sitting. And he comes and he folded his arms and he sits down. And we are, look, listen to me, really, really close to each other. We are pressing against each other. I'm listening to Gaither music on my headphones. It's just playing Gaither music, Gaither music. I tried to smile to him, he didn't look at me, he was really worked up. So I'm sitting there and trying to be as small as possible, but how can you be smaller than you are? So I'm pulling in air and I thought, can I hold this up for an hour? You can't. So I'm sitting there and it's then when he, after a while, just sits there and he goes, are you going to move your arms or what? And friends, it's at that point when I thought, look, I'm going to look him in the eyes and say, look here. I'm a big guy, you're a big guy. Let's work this thing out. But then the scripture comes back. The fragrance, the fragrance of Christ. I gave him the biggest smile I got. I said, look, I said, well, let's wait till this guy against the window comes in and then we'll sort it out. So a young, and I, I started praying, I said, Lord, please let it be a small girl. <laughs> He was not a big guy, praise the Lord. He came in, he sat down. And when we sat strapped in, I, I said, Lord, how do I deal with this? Because we are big guys. I turned to him again with a big smile. I said, look, you sit back, I'll sit forward. That'll make it. And that's how I went for Look, it took me five hours to get home. But when I got home, I thanked the Lord because you know what? I didn't get opportunity to tell him about Christ. I didn't because he was closed book. But you know what? I want him to go away and say, that guy could have taken my head off. Or we could have done something, but we didn't. Friends, what am I saying? You're in a situation, each one in this place is in such different situations. Be the fragrance of God which He places in you. Let me hurry on. He gave us a call, He gave us a message, and now He gives direction. Isn't God good? Come on, say it. Isn't God good? Amen. He's good. He gives the direction. I want you to see this. This is beautiful. Now, when they had gone from Pergia, the region of Galilee, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And after they came to Mysia, they tried to go into Bethania, but the Spirit did not permit them. You know, I've learned something out of this. And I thank Paul for that. He comes all the way, if you can't see this, sorry. But he comes all the way here. He goes through, that's where he met Timothy. Okay, and he got Timothy and the church were well blessed. Then he went through Galatia and Pergia. And I'll tell you, 
I think Paul would have wanted to preach the gospel wherever he goes. Yes? But he was forbidden by the Holy Spirit. And sometimes, listen, sometimes when you want to really push hard, really, really, really push hard, and the Holy Spirit says, no, stay with the Spirit. Listen to the Spirit of God. And then when he went further on, he wanted to go into Bethania. That Messia there is the place to go into Bethania. And the Spirit forbid him. Why? Because God had a specific, specific task for him. I believe that God has got a specific task for every single person in this hall. Every one of you. Your task is not my task. You see, this is quickly how it works and I hurry on. Five minutes. You see, when you get saved, it's like a a cup and a saucer. Who likes to drink their tea out of a cup and a saucer? So you get the cup. That's your family. The Lord saves you and He fills you up with His knowledge. And what happens when you keep on putting it? It overflows. Yes? And what do you get? It's the saucer. The saucer, dear friend, is is, is your family. By the blessing of God in you, it goes into the family. Your family is the next world. I might not be able to reach your family, but you can. And when it continues on, it spills on the table. What is the table? It's your friends. And then when it spills down, it is your workplace. It's the world. But God directs footsteps. And it's beautiful how precise He is. You know, He could have complained, Paul, walking on. Past this place. This is not just a quick flight. It's a long walk. If you walk through this mountain, I, I don't know if you see on the map. It's hard work to do the work of God, yes? Oh no, it's a breeze. No, no. It's hard work. Let me not, let's not be kidding, kidding here. And he, he could have complained all the way. They said, Lord, I tried to talk to this person. Why wouldn't you? Why? No, no, no. He just went on until he came to Troas. Now let me finish off today to show you a few results. In the book of Acts chapter 16, we see the results because Paul listened to the word or to the spirit, to the calling of God. The first result there is a religious woman with an open heart. A religious woman with an open heart. We read on the Sabbath day he went down into the city's riverside where they prayer was made, and when they sat down, they came women and they sat there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to hear the things Paul spoke. He didn't preach the gospel to her. He spoke the things. She was already there. Yes, through the gospel, the cross and everything, he explained it to her. But she was a religious woman. But she had an open heart. Let me tell you something, dear friend. The message of God will cut through every religion because it's the power of God unto salvation. The second result that they had from there was a slave girl with a possessed heart. You remember the girl who followed them? And, and she said these words. She, she walked after them and says, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim us the way of salvation. So what did Paul do? He turned around and he greatly anointed. He said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Notice he didn't have a conversation with it. He commanded it. He says, come out. Let me tell you, dear friend, a man sent by God with the unction of the Holy Spirit upon his heart, with the message of, of God in his heart, will break the chains of the possessed. It's there. There's the proof. A religious woman, a man filled with the Holy Spirit, with the message of God, will break religion. And it's sitting right here. God has called you as well. And then finally, we find the man with an hardened heart. You remember that? They caught them. They put him and Silas in, in a jail. And there's this jailer sitting there. And it says, at midnight they started singing and praying. Why do I say he had a heart and heart? Yet all of this time when they started singing and praying to go to these men and to submit. Because what were they singing? Hymns. I would love to one day to get that hymn book. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? The hymn book. What songs did they sing? I'll tell you what. It's not these psychology songs you find these days called Christian songs. 
No, no, it's the Word of God. I believe those songs were filled with the Word, the knowledge of God. And here are two men. They are pressed on the rock Jesus Christ. And what do they do? They set free the fragrance of Christ for them who live to life and them who die to death. Beautiful picture. There's two men there. There are three people, three results. A man filled with the Holy Spirit, listening to the call of God with the message of God, will, will have the word to break hardened hearts. Friends, last words. Today you are called with a message. You can't sit here this morning and say, I haven't got a message. It's right there. In the direction, in the direction of the Lord, which will bring results. The Macedonian call. What are you going to do with it? Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for this word. Yes, certainly, Lord, you, you, you spoke on my heart. And Father, even if there's just one person walking out of here today and say, man, I've been challenged. I've been challenged to be the fragrance of Christ wherever I go. Wherever I go. Father, if I've been pressed hard against the rock, I know one thing, it might hurt, but the fragrance will come out. And my prayer is, Lord, let it be the fragrance of Christ. So, Lord, I pray and I thank you. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord. Thank you, Father, for opening hearts and, and ears that can hear. To you be the glory forever and ever. And everybody say, Amen. amen. I just want to say just a, a quick word. Um, as, as some of you know, Pastor Vinner will come up, but as some of you know that we are going to start a new work down in Karim Downs. Um, but just allow me to say thank you to this church. Uh, nearly five years ago we came to Australia. We've left the church behind there. Well, it sounds hard if I say left behind. We came here. I came with a scripture verse in the book of Acts where the Lord showed me in the book that He's going to send me in the wilderness to bring water. To bring water, which is the word. It's four years later. You have accepted us as a family. This is our church family. We have made so many friends amongst you. Uh, some of you listen to us. We've shared some tears with some of you and um, some joy. But for me and my family, when we came in, at that point in time, a lot of you might not have known, when we came back to Kingsway, we were down. We were really, really down. In fact, there was a time when I said to, to, to Leone, we'll give it another month. If it doesn't work out, we go back to New Zealand. We were away from our church family over there. We were away from our, our two sons. We were living over here. It was, it was hard. We came back to this church, and through this church, God strengthened us again. So much so to, to be a position where we're going to go into the next, we don't know, the next uh, calling that the Lord has got us into. So, to each one of you, thank you so much. And, and keep on praying for us. We're going to need the prayers in Jesus' name. God bless.